2: Mr. Chief Justice, the please the court,
3: I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed that this is the route they took, because it's clear
0: that this has done way more damage than good. This is Life of the Law. I'm Elisa Roth. There were only a few minutes left in Kyle Thompson's fourth period biology class when it happened.
2: Um, It was about 30 kids in the class and we were learning about chemicals and other things in science.
0: The students, 9th and 10th graders mostly, were supposed to be doing their own work. Um, Yeah, I had a list in my bag of, it was called, it was titled Hit List, but it wasn't really to hurt
2: anybody. It was actually all of my close friends was on it.
0: The principal was on it too. Beth Deponio, Kyle's biology teacher, was also on the hit list. My friend took it out of my notebook in class, and um,
2: I saw him take it out, so I took it back from him. And my teacher came over, and she took it from me.
0: His teacher declined to be interviewed for this story, but in an email to the school district, she wrote that she noticed Kyle and his friends looking at a piece of paper and laughing. Kyle's given name is McCall, and she refers to him that way in her statement. She wrote... I walked over and asked them what they were doing. McCall laughed and said, it's my hit list, and you don't want to see it. The words hit list immediately got me concerned. This could mean the safety of the entire school. I took the hit list out of the student's hand. And I got up and I grabbed the paper and we were pulling it back and forth. His teacher wrote, McCall immediately got defensive and jumped towards me, wrapping his arms around me with his hand over my hand that was holding the hit list in an attempt to retrieve it.
2: And then she, turned around so I could get like so she have a a better grip of it and I was like behind her pulling it and then she turned back around and she saw a teacher and She she wrote
0: I tried walking towards my back door to get assistance from another teacher McCall would not let go of me and pulled me with great force as I tried to walk towards the door multiple students tried to get McCall off me this entire time he tried to pry my hands open and would not let go of me
2: When we were pulling back and forth, she was laughing at first, so I thought it was just as a joke, but she got serious, and I let go, and it was over.
0: The whole incident only lasted a few minutes. At the end of her statement, his teacher wrote, McCall showed extreme aggression to the point where I questioned my safety and that of others. What happened today, no faculty member or student should have to go through. The police report says Kyle wrapped his arms around the teacher and began swinging her around the classroom. The police officer also wrote that when he spoke to Deponio almost an hour after the incident, she was still shaking. A couple of Kyle's classmates wrote witness statements that basically corroborate Kyle's version of the story. One wrote, His paper was not a real hit list. Kyle is harmless. He doesn't bother anyone. The paper was a joke. Certainly in the age of Newtown and Columbine, something called a hit list makes people nervous. This one was just a list of names and the reason he or she was on the list. The principal, for example, was an applesauce head. Next to Deponio's name, Kyle had written that she looked like a fucking squished bunny.
2: Does she look like a squished rabbit? <laughs> no, I shouldn't say that. I apologize for that, but no, she doesn't.
0: Kyle ended up in the principal's office, where a police officer searched his bag, shoes, and pockets for weapons. The principal gave him a paper and pencil and asked him to write down what had happened. Then the officer handcuffed him and took him to the police station.
3: I got a call from the principal.
0: This is Kyle's mother, Lisa Thompson.
3: And he told me that I need to pick my son up from the Farmington Hills Police Department. He roughed up his teacher pretty bad. That's what he told me. He roughed up his teacher pretty bad. So I'm I'm like, are you sure you have the right kid, really?
0: Lisa Thompson is a sales rep for a drug company. She and Kyle live with his older sister, Troy, in Farmington Hills, Michigan. It's a nice suburb northwest of Detroit. There are houses with backyards, strip malls. Harrison High School, where this happened, is a public school. It has around 1,200 students. Good evening,
1: everybody, and welcome to Buller Field in Farmington Hills, Michigan.
0: It's known for, for its football program. It's the Hills, Ox, the team, Kyle plays football, coming. and he and his family moved to the neighborhood partly so he could go to Harrison.
1: Hello again, it My seems
0: important Bush. to say, because his teacher was so afraid of him, that Kyle plays football, but he's not a big linebacker type. He looks more like somebody who would run track. And one of his former coaches told me that it was sometimes hard to coach Kyle because he just wasn't aggressive enough.
1: Play head coach
0: the person who arrested Kyle is what the district calls a school liaison officer. He's a detective in the Farmington Hills Police Department, but his regular beat is Harrison High School. The data is spotty, but about a third of schools in the U.S. have a police officer assigned to them. Some school districts, like New York and Philadelphia, have their own police forces. There's an organization that trains law enforcement who work in schools, the National Association of School Resource Officers, or SROs. The director is Moe Kennedy. He says police are in schools for security, to protect the schools, kids, teachers, and administrators, from anything from gang violence to outside intruders. They're not supposed to be
1: disciplinarians. You don't want the administration relying on the SRO to come and deal with every circumstance Uh, you know, that seems a little out of control. But
0: circumstances aren't always that clear.
1: There certainly is a line where something crosses, for instance, from a shoving match to an assault. And so when a teacher um, says that they've been assaulted, you know, that has to be investigated to some degree. Uh, We can't have teachers being assaulted any more than we can have anyone else being assaulted.
0: But there's another issue here. Since the 1990s, more and more schools have police on the premises. The data show that as that's happened, more kids have been getting arrested, often for relatively minor offenses. And African-American boys, in particular, are getting arrested disproportionately often. Earlier this month, the Obama administration pointed out the racial imbalance in the way schools discipline kids, and released a 35-page document outlining alternative approaches. Effective discipline is, and always will be, uh, necessity. Here's the attorney general, Eric Holder, at a press conference to present the new guidelines.
3: But a routine
0: school discipline infraction should land a student in the principal's office, not in a police precinct. People who work in the juvenile justice system realized this was a problem a long time ago. People like Stephen Teske, a juvenile court judge in Clayton County, Georgia, near Atlanta. He says dealing with kids who do stupid stuff in school distracts him and other people in the juvenile justice system from much more serious problems.
3: I'm here to deal with truly delinquent kids uh, who are breaking into homes, stealing cars, uh, pulling guns and knives on people. Protecting the community from those type of things requires that I cannot be overburdened with the kids who make us mad.
0: He says the legal principle of mens rea means something is only a crime if there's criminal intent.
3: If, If we already know that kids are neurologically wired to do stupid things acts for which we tend to designate or label as typical juvenile behavior, then how can there be a criminal state of mind?
0: He says schools are supposed to act in loco parentis. He's apparently really into Latin. In loco parentis means in place of the parent, and parents don't usually call the cops on their kid for fighting or talking back. So a few years ago, Judge Teske put together a group of stakeholders— including school officials, law enforcement, parents, and students. They made a list of misdemeanors that would no longer be referred to the criminal justice system, at least not right away. Suddenly, a lot fewer kids ended up in court.
3: You know, really what it comes down to is that, is this a kid who scares me versus a kid who makes me mad?
0: But if police do question or arrest students in schools, it can raise some tricky questions. And that's one legal reason these situations can be so fraught. When Kyle Thompson was taken to the principal's office that day in March, the principal called the school cop.
2: And the police officer checked my bag and checked my shoes and my pockets for any weapons or anything. And then the principal told the police officer to take me to the police station.
0: He was fingerprinted and had his mugshot taken.
2: The scariest part was probably being handcuffed and inside of there, just realizing that I'm in there because I, I know I shouldn't be in there with like with the people that have done something wrong. I know I've, I've made mistakes, but I just didn't think it was as big as others.
0: Regardless of what he did, though, Kyle has certain rights. I asked Christy Bowman about that. She's a law professor at Michigan State. She says the Constitution protects people from unreasonable search and seizure, even at school. But those are very different than rights that a citizen would have on the public streets. For example, schools uh, basically need to have reasonable suspicion that a student has violated a school rule, and then their search also has to be reasonable in scope. In other words, it's a lot easier for a principal or other school official to search a student's backpack or locker than it would be for a police officer outside of school.
1: This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point-of-sale system you can trust, or is it T-L-O. This
0: all comes out of a Supreme Court case called New Jersey versus TLO. T-L-O in 1980, a high school freshman named Tracy Lois Oda, TLO refers to her initials because she was a juvenile, got caught smoking in a school bathroom.
3: In a school restroom by a teacher, the vice principal, an assistant the principal, the searched her purse, purse and opened the student's
1: purse, found evidence that she was dealing line
0: line marijuana. She got put on probation. Odom complained that the school had violated her rights by looking in her purse. Search
1: exceeded reasonable the Supreme rounds.
0: Court eventually ruled that states have a duty to provide a safe school environment, and that if a teacher or administrator has reason to believe that a school rule has been broken, then it's okay to search students' private property. So
3: teachers and school administrators should not be treated the same way as policemen and law enforcement.
0: That is our primary contention, yes, Your Honor. The standard is much higher for police officers in the real world. But that interpretation could be different if sworn law enforcement officers, that is, police, are present in the school on a regular basis. Because it raises questions about whether the officer is acting like a school employee or a police officer on the street. For example, police are supposed to read you your Miranda rights. You know, you have the right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of the law before they ask you anything. The principal who asks if you cut class doesn't have to. In fact. Miranda warnings are almost never required in schools. And it's not clear that they should be. But having police in schools blurs some of those boundaries between law in school and the law in the outside world. If a student's arrested at school and charged with a crime, there should be questions about how evidence is gathered or how that questioning is conducted. In Kyle's case, for example, it's not clear whether Kyle should have been read his Miranda rights. He wasn't. And he didn't have a lawyer or even his mom there when the police officer searched him or when the principal had him write his confession. About 10 days after Kyle was arrested, there was a disciplinary hearing. This is how Kyle's mom, Lisa Thompson, remembers what the assistant superintendent said. And she just kept saying, well, you know what, Kyle, you seem like a
3: nice kid, and your mom seems like she really cares. And she kept saying, you are exactly the kind of kid we want at Harrison. Your mom is exactly the kind of parent we want at this school. She said that, I don't know, five times. And she said, but unfortunately, Mom, I'm going to have to tell you something you don't want to hear. And she says, I'm going to have to, I'm going to, have to expel him for 180 school days. Um, it's called a level three assault.
0: Thompson pointed out that the district's disciplinary policy requires intent to charge a student with assault. That is, if Kyle didn't mean to hurt his teacher, then it wasn't assault. The assistant superintendent emailed me to say that zero-tolerance laws like Michigan's leave administrators with little choice. She wrote, In Farmington, we strive to consider each student and any incident separately and individually, taking all facts and circumstances into account. Zero-tolerance takes away the flexibility of school districts to individualize the consequences commensurate with the circumstances. Now, this is probably the place to tell you that Kyle is African-American. Although I also want to note that there's no evidence that his being African-American is why he got in trouble. Harrison High School is about half white and a third black. The principal is black. The biology teacher is white. Kyle's race was never mentioned. But across the country, the data show that black students are much more likely to be arrested than white ones. In one Texas county, for example, where the NAACP and others filed a complaint last year, black students get citations for misdemeanors four times as often as white kids.
3: He's been treated like he'd committed a crime ever since it happened and he's been punished and penalized ever since the moment it happened and it just is so excessive.
0: After he was suspended, Lisa tried to get Kyle into another school. But because of his disciplinary record, even private schools wouldn't take him. Before this incident, his life had centered around football. Now. It was awkward to hang out with football friends who were excited about games, summer camps, college recruiters. I can't play
2: football, Um, so really, I just throw the football around with my friends, play video games, watch TV. And I go out sometimes, but I, I don't really see my friends as much.
3: I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed that this is the route they took in a position like a teacher or social worker, somebody who's responsible for children and their lives, I expect more. Because it's clear that this has done way more damage than good.
0: At his trial in December, Kyle pleaded no contest. The prosecutor dismissed the charges. In an email, the principal told me, The Kyle Thompson incident was an unfortunate series of events that resulted in a legal judgment. Since the court hearing, everyone involved is still trying to move on and find closure in their own way. For Kyle, that's meant starting at a new Christian school where he's getting A's. His mother says he's more introverted than he used to be, and he hasn't wanted to try out for another football team. The school district changed his disciplinary record to a long-term suspension. The assault charge is gone. Lisa Thompson and her lawyer are working on a civil case against the school district, the assistant superintendent, and the school police officer. It's hard to know how Kyle's story might have played out differently had there not been a police officer on campus. What is clear is that there are more police in schools and more kids getting arrested for doing stuff that in the past might have just earned them detention, not a criminal record. For life of the law... I'm Elisa Roth. Life of the Law is produced by Julia Barton, Caitlin Prest, Katie Barnett, Shannon Heffernan, Nancy Mullane, Jillian Weinberger, and Phil Wilt. Featured in this episode was audio from the Oye Project with music by Kyle Kaplan, Matthew Darr, and Todd McDonald. Our web editor is Mary Adkins. Financial support comes from our listeners and the Open Society Foundations with special thanks to Thomas Hillbank. Amani Perry was the academic advisor for this episode. Thanks also to Making Contact, our fiscal sponsor. For more on this story and others on the law and the legal system, or to donate to Life of the Law, visit lifeofthelaw.org.